Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is college football playoff Kurt here. Still still going with that shit. Still rocking it, man. Uh, you know Big it's Kurt, my thing. It's your thing. I love it. Yep. It'll be quick this week, I promise. Uh, Big Kurt, you on Twitter? Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. We thank you so much for listening to the podcast, downloading. Uh, numbers are great. Please keep it up. Please keep sharing, whether it's Twitter or in your personal life, a simple text message you can forward that right from the screen on the uh, podcast works great just bring it up at, in every conversation pretty we much. got thanksgiving coming up right at some point you're going to be hanging around searching for something to talk about with oh a yeah relative. you're you just going to be dying talking yeah. to them right like the oh lord or whatever bring up the big the eyes that's on right big you're podcast. gonna be pouring another bourbon and hey eyes on big yeah check it out up. um so every time we record not every time but 80% of the time we record, I sit down and about within 15 minutes, I think of about three things yeah. that I forgot to bring up or you, you do the same thing. So I'm just going to go ahead and bring up one now because there's not going to be any good time to talk about in the rest of the podcast, but the, uh, the uniforms. Oh um, yeah. We forgot that. I was black pants and I would just throw in the whole, the, the Minnesota's uniforms as well. Night game. Okay. Under the lights. Uh, good weather. It was just an overall aesthetically pleasing football contest, correct? In the universe, it was ex- incredibly <laughs> pleasing. Like okay. a black versus white. The Sometimes universe. that goes bad. But the thing is, black is Iowa's color, so it, it worked. And then just the contrast is always a good thing. So Minnesota going all white, but but still having the maroon shells, the maroon helmet, I thought worked great. But with the the white M on it was a nice touch too. I love Iowa in those black pants. I Me really too. feel like that should be just their standard home uniform. I would. I don't know about standard. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I really like them. I'll it say is that sharp, much. man. Yeah, that is a good look. Yeah. Okay. All right. I didn't. I we we. I asked, but I never actually got your. Your full. I didn't like it. I loved it. Nice. Yeah, it was wow. a, it was a great looking game. And you know what? I didn't bring up last time. I didn't talk about my experience. I like I had a true college football experience watching that game. I was at Stanley's Bar in Northeast, which is a great you know area of the city, and it's a great bar, and it's packed with Gopher fans. And I got there basically at halftime, so I saw them you know fighting and clawing their way back, and the place is going crazy every time they made a big play. And it's just one of those days where I'm like. God, college football is so great, isn't yes. it? Um, I the have atmosphere s- at the game. You could feel it, like, even through yes. the TV. Yes. Man, it, was, it, was cool. it felt great live. Um, going to the bars, to wa- going to a, a, a bar that has a team theme. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but, you know, you know it's a quote-unquote Badger sure. bar yeah. or Wolverine bar or whatever. Good time. If there's a big game oh, yeah. going on, if you can do that to get the energy from the bar, good stuff. It's one of the great things about living in the city of Chicago is every bar has an allegiance to a college team. So, so that's it, like a thing. Oh, it's I've a been, thing. I mean, I've been to a couple Hawkeye bars in Chicago, yep. but it's all over the place. Yeah, so like the neighborhood I used to live in, there was a Nebraska bar, there was an Iowa bar, there's a Michigan bar, Ohio State bar. Cool. I mean, you don't really have a Northwestern or Illinois because you can, you know, you're from there, so you don't really need a, a place to gather. But every out-of-state team has a bar. That's pretty cool. And when you can combine college football and alcohol, that's something that's that, that it speaks it's really the greatest night. combination <laughs> on the planet. All right, man, you got some uh, housekeeping items for us. Housekeeping. No, thank you. Sleeping. Housekeeping. 
Quick housekeeping here. Scott Frost, head coach of Nebraska, has signed a two-year extension, so he will be the coach through 2026. Now, essentially what happened here is they're starting the contract over next year. So it's going to be the same terms that he had when, for his original contract. They're just going to start it over again. So what happens is from that, from starting next year, it's going to be a seven-year, $35 million contract, and his buyout goes back up to $26 million. So he ain't going anywhere. Long story short, they recognize that the uh, the wins maybe aren't where – I don't know if it's so much where Moose thought they would be because he did make the comment before the season that 6-6 six and six would be a good year. That's been well-documented, but obviously there is a lot of angst among the fan base, so this was a way of saying – chill out this is they're saying we're, it to their we're fans gonna, we're gonna make this a long-term deal but they're saying it to potential recruits too yep i mean now granted you don't really need seven years you need at least four years on your coach's contract to to make recruits feel like warm and fuzzy right okay but it, nevertheless it sends a message yep okay quick injuries the only major one i have is minnesota quarterback tanner morgan is concussed he's in concussion protocol still questionable for this weekend's game versus northwestern now, I have a surprise for you. Okay. Right yeah, now. Yeah. Okay. It's it's so it's the week before rivalry week is this week, correct? Correct. Do, you know, there's a name for that, right? Maybe not in the Big Ten, but in certain other conferences. The cupcake. It's week? cupcake week. <laughs> so okay, I brought you, you a present. <laughs> you know what? The funny thing is, I go. thought about actually. Oh, they're holiday cupcakes. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that works. I'm going to eat those, just so you know. Eat them, enjoy them. Fantastic. So, so for, <laughs> the, for the listeners, we got, we got six vanilla and six chocolate mini cupcakes here. Um, so do you know the cupcake trick, by the way? What's that? You, it, it, these are little mini cupcakes. They, it works better with a regular-sized cupcake. Okay. So you got to picture a typical cupcake with you know the muffin top and then the yeah. frosting on the top. I sure. mean, that's pretty standard, right? So the loser way of eating a cupcake like that is to just shove it in your mouth like that. But what you do is you peel off the the paper thing on the yeah. bottom, you detach that yeah the, the stump from the the stump yeah and then you fold it on top oh, and you make it into like a, a sandwich. There you go. And I then didn't it know stops that from getting frosting everywhere. Well, you learned that from actually uh, an ex Illini football player. <laughs> so I yeah. think I know the guy you're yes, talking you do about. Too. So um, he, he's the one who taught me. Wow, you're you're like a and Zed man, you're listening. You know, you're a part of this too. So you're like um, a cupcake expert. I had no idea. I, I believe cupcakes to be probably my number one favorite dessert. Oh, okay. I'm gonna brownies, go with, are, brownies are up there. Brownies are good. I'm a cookie guy. I, I mean, like I like cookies, but yeah. if you give me the choice between hmm. a cookie and a cupcake, I'm going cupcake. So anyway, cake, speaking of, I don't like cakes. Just no, like just like, it, yeah. You know? I no. I'm not a big like dessert angel guy. Angel food in, cake in is awful to me. It's not awful, but I just don't. I would never choose Seek that over, out. say... Like, even just, like, a slice of bread. I'd rather just have a slice of bread. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm, I'm talking in the dessert vernacular. In the dessert realm? Yeah. I mean, it's down the the food chain, so to speak. Gotcha. Don't you think? I don't know yeah. how far. Yeah. Maybe that's – we should have a dessert ranking show at some yeah, point. sometime in the afternoon. Okay, so it's Cupcake Week in the SEC, right? Yeah. So wait, wait. Can I – You wanted to go? Okay. Well, let me go. Well, go okay. ahead. Because this will actually lead into the your favorite topic of college football playoffs. So here's, here, here's the cupcake lineup for the SEC. Western Carolina at Bama. Having a great year. Samford at Auburn. So before the Iron Bowl, both teams get a cupcake. And I, I think I've maybe even asked this on the podcast before. Does Samford play anybody else than the SEC West? It's the only time I ever hear their name. Literally Correct. ever. <laughs> I don't 
Uh, UT Martin at mm. Kentucky, East Tennessee State at Vanderbilt, Abilene Christian at Mississippi State, and I think this might be the biggest cupcake matchup of all, Arkansas at LSU. I, that's, <laughs> okay, you beat me to it. I wanted to say that. <laughs> Damn it. We think, we think alike on something. You stole it. So um, I guess to a certain degree that gets you into the college football playoff because since the SEC uh, – plays only eight conference games and plays so many cupcakes. It, it, it's not just week 13. They play them many times yeah, throughout the right. year. Most FCS opponents. So, right? you know, it's it's like it's protocol in college football podcasts and conversations where, you know, if this team wins out or if that team wins out, you know, and then the debate happens. But typically speaking, a seasoned college football uh, fan like me and you and our fantastic listeners, we know, hey, Right when you get to talking like that, that's where the upsets come up. Sure. But here's the deal. In the SEC, we just listed off. all the, We're at week 13. I mean, we're getting down. Yeah. If these upsets are going to happen, they're going to have to happen now. next week. Yes. You know what I mean? Because that's it. We're we're almost there. Sure. Um, so, in the college football play, I mean, again, we're not. there's not a ton of changes to go through. LSU uh, stayed at the top, Ohio State 2, Clemson 3. Georgia four, Alabama five. Um, then you got the Pac-12 teams right after that. Oregon, Utah six and seven. So then I guess a little bit of the interesting flair for the Big Ten comes at eight, nine, and ten. Penn State now in front of both Oklahoma and Minnesota. Um, we all know that Minnesota beat the yeah. Penn State Nittany Lions in a football contest just a week and a half ago. Um, now they were playing football that day. They were playing okay. football. It was not uh, computer generated, as far as I know. But okay, I'm I'm actually kind of interested to see what you say on this. I actually kind of, I I know I'm gonna ruff, I'm gonna ruffle the feathers of Gopher fans, but I do kind of understand them putting Penn State in front of Minnesota. They have uh, more quality wins, but don't you just kind of have to defer to who actually won the head-to-head contest? I'm good with either way line of thinking. I, guess, I like the Gophers being ranked ahead of, I, and I, I wouldn't fight it at all i mean you look down the list uh right now who's playing better wisconsin or michigan uh i like michigan right, right now. but who's rated in front wisconsin and i i and it's because you, they won the head-to-head that's what i'm saying yeah. so i feel like again there's the inconsistencies of the college football well, yeah they I mean, just you can almost guarantee you they put wisconsin in front of michigan because the head-to-head but they put two spots in between penn state and and minnesota yeah the name on the jersey matters it does matter well in that case i mean they're putting michigan behind them but anyways uh yeah but don't you think wisconsin's got a pretty established that's name? true that's a good point yeah. um as far as uh comparing the conferences so the big 10 has three in the top 10 uh the sec also has three in the top 10 um i stand corrected they have two georgia and alabama so big 10's got them uh, lsu front there you've got oh, LSU. three okay Georgia. yeah okay i was correct georgia alabama lsu uh, six teams ranked overall in the college football playoff uh, for the Big Ten, while the SEC has five. And if those two pretty much dwarf the other conferences, the Pac-12 has two in the top ten. Only one other team ranked somehow USC at seven and four. That was weird that they popped in there, yeah. wasn't it? Well, and that's to me is strategy because yeah. I feel like it. they're trying to use that in some capacity to like maybe pop up. Utah, sure. You know, if Utah gets through. Don't you think that the Pac-12 gets kind of a bad rap, though? You know, it, it does, really, but I feel, but I honestly feel like I think it's, it's really had deep. a little bit. Yeah, I think it's had a little bit of a 
of an uptick in respect yeah. nationally. I mean, people are lots of people are generally considering if Oregon and Utah get to the championship game, both at eleven one, that the winner of that game will have a strong case to be to be the fourth spot in the in the college football play. I mean, there's not many bad teams there. No, Even Oregon I, State is playing well. I agree, and I think you could bring that back to the Big Twelve. I mean, I think the Big Twelve and the Pac twelve are very comparable. Like, I I don't know who you would make third or fourth sure. in that instance. Um, and then the ACC is a distant fifth. Absolutely. So one thing, first of all, LSU, not that it matters one versus two, but LSU's defense is just really not that good at this point. And right? it's, starting to, it's starting to get a little bit of – that's trending on Twitter, people calling out LSU's defense. I just so don't know how you rank a team number one in the country when there was something like 53 overall in, in, in total defense. It doesn't make any sense And to me. somehow this always comes back to Ohio State because that was what dinged Ohio State all of last year. And Ohio State's defense 100% did struggle sure. last year. Yep. Um, and everybody pointed out it was because of their defense. So somehow – that's used against Ohio State last year, but LSU doesn't seem to bother them. Now, I'm going to actually defend the committee here for a second. So get your pens ready. Write this down. Yeah. Note the date, date and time history. here. Uh, I was glad that they didn't penalize Alabama for Tua getting injured because people were talking about they might do that. It's it, it would be the silliest thing. Why would you punish them for something that hasn't really happened? Like, they haven't played poorly yet. Yeah. Like, wait for them to play poorly. I then, will say if they do play Poorly. If it looks like their offense is struggling a little bit, it's not going to happen uh, this week, but next week sure. versus Auburn, that is a thing. I think it would weigh on the minds of the committee members. The other comparison is that they still put Ohio State in the uh, college football playoff in 2014. They were technically on their third string quarterback at right. that point, but that quarterback had a chance to play and light up uh, Wisconsin, the Big Ten champion. Right. So it's not exactly apples to apples with that. Um, and oh, by the way, I mean, I obviously I didn't, I don't want to see anybody get injured. I, it didn't make me feel good that Tua uh, no, injured his hip. I also didn't think that ESPN needed to make it like it was what was on the ESPN College Football front page for I think it was three days. Yeah, that was it. It was just a, it was just all about the Tua injury. And oh, by the way, um. You you go out for the sport to play the sport. It's unfortunate he got hurt, but like, it, it he's playing. He's 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 supposed to play football. You sure. know, like I understand they were up thirty five. It was still the first half. I just I don't know. I don't think dragging on Saban and making it into that deal. That's just no. That's just typical two thousand nineteen junk with that. But you you have to understand where ESPN is coming from. They're morning. I mean, that's their that's their brand right there. So that's th correct. They they had that's a bad few days. You yes. know. Like, all right, that's a good point. I didn't even think about it like that. All right, we got we got to get some games. Yeah. All right. So all these games take place on Saturday, November twenty third. We got seven of them. We got something unique this week. Finally, we Big Kurt and I talked very briefly offline. We didn't do a deep dive because we feel pretty confident saying this is the first time all year long that all fourteen teams are playing nobody is idle mm -hmm. this week and all 14 teams are playing each other so yeah. we've got big on big crime across the board i would put i'm not a hundred percent positive but i would put a lot of money on the fact that that is the first time that's happened pretty sure if anybody yeah. thinks that we're wrong hit us up on twitter let us know so that's 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 a kind of a cool thing about this week another thing we we've got a theme so there's a reoccurring theme or or saying that we've had in this yeah. podcast where in moments of a game or maybe heading into a game, if things get tense, your butthole puckers up. Yep. Right? So we believe this is the pucker week. And 
Because it's 40. before the rivalry week, and it's yeah, there's like you're getting down to who's going to win the the divisions. So everyone's kind of puckering more now than they have really probably at any point in the season. I would think so. I think the, the players, well, at least got- the ones that are puckering, are puckering harder than than you know. If you add the puckerness together, it's probably higher now than it was at any other. Yes, week. like just the collective collective pucker puckerness. Yes. Is, oh yeah, it's there we go. Way it's way higher now. Than it's been at any point. So some teams have a higher pucker level than ours. So we're gonna we're gonna give a pucker level to each team. Okay. Scale of one to five. Okay. So one to five. So is it like, is it like DefCon like five yeah, is I never peace? Get, everybody. Well, I, five I is peacetime and one is global so, thermonuclear so, war. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I never I can never remember if DefCon five or one is. So five one is peace. Is, Okay, five is peace. And, right. and one is war. Okay. But I think we should go the other way. I think. Yeah, because that gets too good. So, yeah, that would get. So one is just like a nice Sunday drive. Five means your butthole can make, you know, coal into a diamond. Yeah, you basically need a tractor to pull a needle out of it. <laughs> right? You've been, you've been waiting to get that into the pod. Congratulations. All right, so I did a couple. I did a couple hooks. So you could go one. Oh, you're going yeah, hooks too. You, you okay, have a hook, I, which I is something hooks. that you don't want around your bunghole at all no. when you really think about it. But okay, all right. So we have got, uh, as we said, seven games. We've got four early games, three afternoon games. We're gonna save uh, one of the early games for the Big Ten game. Of the week, so here we go. First right. one up. Why not, huh? This is it's it's cupcake week and it's pucker week. It's cupcake <laughs> cupcakes down south. But yeah, pucker cupcakes, and That's right. <laughs> here we go. Let's start out. What yeah, do you think Illinois six and four coming into Kinnick Stadium to play the number seventeenth ranked Iowa Hawkeyes at seven and three. This is an eleven o'clock a.m. game on Big Ten Network. Line Hawks by 15 and a half over under 46.5. Illinois yards per play differential negative 0.5. Meanwhile, Iowa sitting at positive 0.5. So Illinois leads the overall series. I'm going to repeat that. Illinois leads the overall series <laughs> yeah. 38 to 34 with two ties. Now well, we're, we've gained we've gained some traction in the well, and maybe series. last year should count for two wins. <laughs> <laughs> really. <laughs> Yeah. So, okay, we'll give you the 63 to nothing. But yeah. guess what? In 1902, Illinois took it to the Hawks 80 to nothing. How oh, about that? God, rubbing it in. These teams did not play from 1909 to 1917 and from 53 to 66. Yeah, Johnson. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, yeah. So, I don't this there's no there's no trophy here. Um, no trophy. But I would say this, uh if things get interesting in this series if it was a situation where it would get it could get really chippy these fan bases could come back it it would it is a it's a it's a state rival or a state border i should sure. say rivalry that is just waiting to be set off something when you got a ton of chicago natives that go to iowa and, and move back and they, they become iowa fans you've got the especially on the illinois side if you're a really diehard illinois basketball fan there you go you hate iowa because there's there's there's, there's history a history there. there. Yes. There's a history. Yeah. We'll save that for another time. That's right. That's our that's our basketball and... offseason special. Um, all right. So the pucker factor, Illinois, a loosey goosey one. I mean, <laughs> they got the loosest schwinkter on the block, right? <laughs> I mean, literally in the conference right now. Don't you think they're like I, I, they are playing with the proverbial house's money right now? They have they're, they're the main character in a German scheiss film. <laughs> 
playing uh, with house money. <laughs> yes. So, and then on the other side, I don't know. I put Iowa at a three because it was wavering between three and four. Really? Well, funny thing is, you know what? I'll just go ahead. And say, I, I have three point five. Okay. Right here. So, um, because obviously a part of the pucker factor is if you're favored to win, meaning if you have, you feel like you kind of have more to lose. You always have more puckerness if you're favored, right? Yeah. So with with Iowa, um, certainly they had sights on a realistic chance of getting to Indy. There's a very, very small chance right. that, that could still happen. That's, that's why not I, gonna happen. That's why I didn't go high, higher, for the higher, Correct. even though I went pretty high. But the, the reason I'm feeling a puckerness here is they're looking at Illinois and saying, this isn't that team we beat 63 to nothing last year. Correct. And uh, uh, Kirk Ferentz said the same thing in his press conference on Tuesday, saying, you know, they have gone to great lengths to make sure that the uh, current players know that this is not going to be the 63 to nil uh, uh, line I team that they played last year. Uh, with the line, Vegas is basically saying 30 to 14 Hawks right around there. Um, taking a a quick peruse around uh, Hawkeye Twitter and just kind of talking to some friends, I think the general consensus among Iowa fans is just don't turn the ball over. Yep. Iowa fans know that the Illini thrive on turnovers. And we've been talking about this all year. At some point, that's got to expire for a while. They're going to have a game where they just don't cause any turnovers. They Correct. have to. And, and so we're running out of games here. Running out of games. So this is one thing. I, I had thought about that earlier in the week. I saw this on Twitter. I don't think I can say it any better myself. So I'm just going to read right off of Hawkeye Recruiting at Iowa underscore recruiting. Um, this is actually a question to a different podcast, the On Iowa podcast with Scott Doctor and Mark sure. Morehouse, who are great guys. Question is, do you think Iowa runs a conservative offensive game plan against Illinois because they force so many turnovers? If so, don't you think that's a bad idea? Seeing Wisconsin did the same thing and lost because they turned it over in key situations instead of having a, mm. a lead buildup, which I think is a yeah, really that's inter interesting. You can't really interesting question. Yeah, because you know Wisconsin just thought, well, we've got this game in the bag. Right, I we, think we so. don't have to be up by that much. Correct. It'll be fine. Oops. Next thing you know, Oops. Wisconsin hung around. Why? Because of something that you've got beamed into my brain: the lovey ball, the the overall shape of the defensive roster is built to to go against offenses yeah, that we, look like Wisconsin and Iowa. Yeah, the the lovey defense does not like the newfangled college look of offense to play against. They want a traditional style looking offense. They play better against the Wisconsin's. I know Iowa last year, but that was more that had more to do with like special That's teams certain. and turnovers and stuff. Well, and just when you when you come right at Illinois, they they play just play much better defense. Correct. So, I don't know. Th this is th these are the reasons why this is a more interesting game than maybe you know the the layman fan actually thinks it it is. And I'll tell you another thing about Illinois and Lovey is he. All offseason, he told his defense, he reminded them every day how bad they played last year. He rubbed it in. Like, he just kept poking the bear, poking the bear. He's been doing the same thing this week. He's been rubbing the 63 to nothing in their faces. And they've been hearing it for two weeks because Illinois was idle last week, which two is weeks. another thing they and, should make. And I say that because they responded to this in the offseason. Yeah. And let's see so, if they respond this week. Now, one thing I would say is with the whole turnover deal, right, um, you can't you can't tell your players over and over again, don't turn the ball over, don't turn the ball over. That that leads to timid play. Sure. The one thing I would say is is two things. Number one, 
there has been a, a certain amount of, of looseness with the football that I've seen out of some ball carriers at Iowa. Okay. So that'll, yeah. You, well, your you eyes just piked up. This is the, the wrong week to, so to I would be have doing two, that. I would have two things that I would focus on. Number one, three points of contact on the football. I don't care if it's the year 2042. Three points of contact for the football is, is going to be a thing. The second thing, I'm going to need your help here. Who's the homeboy that not only picks the ball off, but takes it to the house almost every time? Number four, I think. Uh, are you talking about Tony Adams, number yes. six? Yeah. There. Cornerback. Three points of contact. Find Tony Adams. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I'll always be looking for Tony Adams. Yeah. Where's Tony? Just, Where's Tony? Just, just do not throw the ball anywhere near Tony Adams. Yeah, that's that's a good um, good little game plan there. So, Wooly Batiku may be back. So, that was the guy that was getting all the sacks Swole. earlier in the year. Oh, yeah. Swole. Yep. Uh, Jake Hansen, we're not sure. Jamal Woods, we're not sure. But they could be getting a little healthier. So, that's something to, to look out for as well. I'm kind of wondering like did Brandon did a switch flip for Brandon Peters and for the offense in general against Michigan State I, I, just looking at Michigan State the game first half Michigan State second half I mean the, what can't be just glossed over is the fact that Michigan State was going in for the score to make it 35 to 3 right so I think me and you can agree that if that Illini team comes into Kinnick, even if oh, Iowa, be ugly. Uh, Iowa is flat, th- that that's a that's not only an Iowa win, it, it, it's a cover of the spread. Sure. But if that second half Illini team shows up for the whole game. Ooh, oh, boy. this is going to be a dogfight. Then I think it's a dogfight. Yeah. Um, yeah. At times, the offense has run the ball well. But usually when they're doing that, they're not passing well. At times, they've passed well. They have not put together a balanced total game passing and running the ball so I'm just wondering if maybe something clicked and we're gonna finally see that offensive game from Illinois here yeah I mean I just think there's too many questions with Illinois like the consistency even during the winning streak I think you would admit there's nothing that you can point at to say this has been good the entire time other than the turnovers. well the turnovers that's really that's really it but and that's not that's not saying that Things have been bad the whole time. I'm saying there's been pockets of good. The running game comes alive. The passing game comes alive, but then it goes missing. Then that goes missing. Mm-hmm. So, to me, I feel like just the more consistent play that I think you've seen out of Iowa. Um, getting our middle linebacker, Christian Welch, back, I had no idea it was that big of a deal. It's a gigantic deal. He has been a big difference maker, and I hate to give you some bad news, but just overall, this might be the healthiest Iowa has mm. been the entire year. It, it looks like they're going to be able to get – I don't know. I don't know this for sure, but it looks like Brandon Smith will be able to play in this game. Okay. Wide receiver. He's been practicing. Michael Ojemudia, which was out last week. Sure. So there's a, and then the guards, the guards that were missing during oh, the, wow. like, and I feel like they have gotten a groove going with the running game because they, you saw it a little bit actually against Wisconsin as well. So I like Iowa to win this game. I I really don't like the over, or the line one way or the other. But since you're giving me over two touchdowns, I would take the Illini in the 15.5. And the over-under 46.5, I would actually go under in mm. this game. Okay. I see a little bit of a sleepy 11 o'clock game effect happening, like a 10-7 to 7 halftime. Who's leading it? I don't know. Something a little bit lower scoring. But in the end, Iowa wins, but nothing that they ever felt comfortable with. So here's the thing I can't get past is Iowa is just so strong in the trenches. I just think they're going to win this game up front. So I like Iowa to win the game. I really like Illinois, plus the 15-and-a-half. And I'm going to air towards the over on that total, that 46-and-a-half. I'm going over. All right, moving on. We have got the number 10 
Minnesota Golden Gophers at nine and one going into Evanston to take on the Northwestern Wildcats at two and eight. It's an eleven o'clock AM game on ABC. Line Gophers by fourteen points over under a lowly forty point five. Minnesota Yards per play differential plus one point six. Northwestern negative zero point nine. Minnesota leads the overall series fifty three to thirty six with five ties. Now two thousand in Minneapolis. Do you remember that one? No. And so this would have been way before you were living here, I assume. Northwestern was down thirty five to fourteen. I remember this game vividly. Late in the third quarter, they scored 21 unanswered points to tie it. Then they get the ball back with only seconds left. This is the Zach Kustak okay. uh, teams. Sure. Um, uh, the uh, the uh, Anders, Damian Anderson was a running back, which is, they had one play left. They got the ball back, and they heaved a Hail Mary, and Sam Simmons caught it to win. You don't remember that one? Really? Oh, it was, such, it was a freaking barn bird. It was amazing. And, of course, that 2000 team would go on to be co-Big Ten champs that year for Northwestern. Um I actually saw them play that year. Northwestern played Michigan in, in another barn burner in Evanston. That was amazing. It was, I think it went overtime, I believe. Okay. Well, it was like they both teams like scored in like the 50s. So I think it was overtime, but it was another one of these like comeback games. You, that was you, amazing. You younger uh, uh, Big Ten fans, you don't remember the, the olden days Northwestern. Back in the early 2000s, there wasn't as much defense, and it was, it was actually a a wide open attack on offense more often. Well, they were one of the first teams to fully employ the read option on offense. Like it was basically of power five teams. It was Clemson and then Northwestern. They Northwestern got it from Clemson. Clemson was the first one to do it. So hearing uh, about that game, Northwestern coming back and winning, it probably just adds to the pucker factor because I've got Minnesota at a, excruciatingly high 4.5 <laughs> i got him at a four okay. yeah i mean I, it's, I'm, I'm four four point five the point is is it's high okay a couple reasons though i mean obviously northwestern i got a one i oh yeah, yeah. i mean they're I, out of a bowl contention like nobody expects them to win the game they're having a cubs year wait till next year right <laughs> the cubs have won a world series recently well there was a 108 A-hole. year gap anyway so we got like a little trap action going on right because next week is the X. So, you, you know, you, you got a traffic trap, a, a big game, a, a rivalry game. And before it, you get one of the worst teams in the conference. Everyone just expects you to smoke. OK, no Tanner Morgan on top of that. No Tanner Morgan. Okay. That is, I mean, the the collective. And we don't know that for sure, but I'm assuming he's not going to play. Right. So, you know, a, along with, you know, the the pucker factor. With the team, I mean, I'm I'm also bringing pucker factor of fans into my pucker factor. Okay, that's what I want to get to. Yeah, because this is this is what's going on right here. You know, God bless you, Gopher fans, but you haven't been the most committed fan base over the years. Now, again, I'm not talking about you diehard Gopher fans. You you you've got your own special place on the mantle. But what I get from Gopher fans right now is. They're having just an issue managing their emotions. Oh, of right? course. They've, they've never cared this much about a football well, team okay, but probably that's... in their entire lives. So the the they've got the proverbial remember, remember in Indiana Jones, the Temple of Doom, and that guy just, you know, he just reached in and ripped the heart out. Yes. That's that's what it felt like to them losing on Saturday night. But I but I've tried to tell them, like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that actually wasn't that bad well no and then i have actually said you know what would be even worse is if you lost to wisconsin that sure. is going to feel like the 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 horrible game so uh sandwich in between those two 
Temple of Doom heart reps sure. is Northwestern. Well, and I would have put Minnesota at a three, but I bumped them up to a four because of the Minnesota sports factor. <laughs> right? Like, they're just... Also a thing. I mean, they're used to getting their hearts ripped out. So it's like... They kind of expect it. You know, when is it going to happen? When When is the the Indiana Jones heart rip going to happen? Our new podcast friend, J.D. All Wrong, has, has brought this up in his podcast. I have talked to other Gopher fans about it. I mean, I assume 90% of Gopher fans are also Vikings fans, so they know it. they've been through that many times. And it usually revolves around a kicker, not being able to put the ball through the uprights. Um, so with the over-under and the uh, spread, they're saying – uh, Gophers 28 to 14. So w- what are we looking at? We're looking at the fact that you could conceivably, all right, conceivably pull a very talented high school quarterback from somewhere in the Twin Cities and put him on the Gophers team, and there's a chance they go ahead and go into Evanston and win this game. Would Would he have to be that talented? <laughs> I'm just trying to be somewhat realistic. And by the way, looking at the backups – Cole Kramer was playing in the Minneapolis Metro just last year. I mean, he's right. a true freshman. He's from Eden Prairie, yeah. Which, which is blows my mind because Jacob Clark has been the the you know agreed upon backup all year long. I'm well, still confused on why Cole Kramer. I they showed Jacob Clark warming up on the side. Okay, I read into Cole, this. Okay, I think the plan was he wanted to give them both reps, but there was only one series. So Kramer went in first. Uh, Jacob Clark never got a shot. So th- I'm not even sure what are they going to – how are they going to operate this game? Are they going to name a starter? Are they going to play both and see how it goes? And I guess how do you – how important is Tanner Mar- Morgan to this offense? Like uh, he's so good at what he does, right, at reading the defense. He's excellent. I would say my respect Where, for how Tanner big is the Morgan I definitely went up when I saw him play live on Saturday night. Okay. Kinnick. And, oh, by the way – they showed him doing the Dak Prescott oh, exercises. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a thing now. And I mean, that Isn't dude, that, the point is that dude is committed to his craft. Sure. That Why did that become such a thing all of a sudden? I mean, Twitter got a hold of it. Dude, I got to be honest. Every, every time I saw the Dak Prescott where they synced it up to some music, I I, I watched them all. It was I, funny, I, wasn't I it? They are hilarious. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is Tanner Morgan has taken control of this team. I mean, he is 100% one of the leaders on this team. I'm just trying to imagine. Probably because he looks like he's 47 yeah. and an elder statesman. So now you got two fresh-faced freshmen that are going to have to step in. I think the overall general thought process by – so we are we are interested in this game, but we're not as emotionally invested, of course, because no. we're not Minnesota or Northwestern fans. But I think the overarching pro- thought process for somebody like me and you is – Northwestern's passing offense is so bad, is so bad. And the the Minnesota secondary is good. Yes. You know, and the fact that you can assume that a pretty good, but not great, a pretty good Minnesota front seven will be good enough to severely limit the Northwestern rushing attack. So if that happens, where does Northwestern get the points? Right. I don't think... I think there's going to be a big drop-off from Tanner Morgan. He's just so good at reading that RPO. I just don't see either of the two fresh freshmen being able to do that. So I don't see him scoring a ton of points. But, I, yeah, I don't know where the Northwestern points are coming from. We should set an over-under for pass yards, like 75, right? For, for, for Northwestern. 75? 75. That's a good number. <laughs> I'm, deb- I'm debating. You think? I'm going to go under. Okay, you, you got the under. I'm taking the over. Okay. I'm, I'm, I have trust Aiden Smith this week. At some point. And I will say last week, 
they just stop trying. I mean, they're right. going to have to try to throw the ball this week. Uh, speaking of maybe another revenge factor, another thing that adds to the pucker level is we've got a starting running back for Northwestern from very close to Maple the downstairs Grove, Minnesota. athletic club, Maple Grove, Minnesota. Yeah. And I remember them getting him. I just had for- forgotten his name. Yeah. I didn't realize that last week the, the guy that, that broke it off was right. that guy. So Evan, Evan Hall, Evan running Hall. back from Maple Grove, Minnesota. Hall. And um, I don't think he was recruited by Minnesota either. Really? Oh, okay. yeah. So, but with that being said, Jacob Clark, I, I, I got to admit, I don't know much about Cole Kramer. I know that Eden Prairie is a powerhouse high school football player. I think he's just the quarterback for the powerhouse team, so he got a full ride. Okay. Um, Jacob I'm Clark, sorry, Kramer family, if yeah. you're listening. I, uh, Jacob Clark, though, is a talented dude. Dude can slang it. So he has got a, he's got a cannon. Yep. So we watched both these guys in spring. And, you know, Kramer, I, I don't want to knock on the kid. He just doesn't have a great arm, right? But Clark can really sling the ball. But maybe not the most accurate human being on the planet. Well, that may be true too, but he's going to have a week to figure it out. I I think it will be Jacob Clark that you'll see roll out there. And I think it will be his game to win unless he is really struggling Um, for, for the points. I'm going to go ahead and take Northwestern in the points. This, this just screams ugly win by Minnesota. Yeah. I, I like the under the most in this game at yeah. only 20 points. This also screams 20 to 10, 17 to 10, something like, like that, uh, where Minnesota will have a chance to win the game. Uh, the one thing I would say though, is if Minnesota can just run the ball, if they can, cause Northwestern has, has, they still got a good defense, but this hasn't been brick wall, type of Northwestern defense. No. They're okay against the run. They're okay against the pass. Right. If Minnesota can just will their way down the field, one thing, by the way, this would have been one of the things I forgot to bring up. Will we see a lot of the Scott Evil package in this game? Oh, that's a great point. I mean, just just run Seth Green, run Seth Green. They they know the plays. They're building maybe one or two more pass plays off it. Yeah. Turn it into a Wildcat. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. I bet they do it. Um, and it's going to be a fast game. You got to figure both teams are just going to be grinding it out on the ground, right? Grinding it out. So I'm inclined to, to take uh, Northwestern, but I'm, you know, I'm going to go to the under. I'm going to go the oppo here. Going yeah. the under. I took the I, under. I'm, I know, but I'm taking Minnesota. It doesn't make as much sense. I'm taking Minnesota to cover the 14. Yeah, Damn I could see it. I could see it too. And speaking of Evan Hall, by the way, back to him. There's talk of him maybe not playing because he can only, He's only play one, one more game. game. And you would think they'd want to play, play him, him against week Illinois. Illinois. Yeah. I, I mean, d- this game is, I mean, it's by and large meaningless for Northwestern. This it is. It's not going to be a, a raucous crowd for that Minnesota is going to walk in. But let's say you can't run the ball and you can't pass the ball. And little Evan Hull is sitting over there on the bench all alone. And he wants to play against his home seat. Just state put him in the damn game. I think he should play. Yeah. If, if, if I'm the whole family, I want to play him. All right, next up, we've got the 4-6 and six Michigan State Spartans traveling into uh, uh, New Jersey to take on the Rucker Scarlet Knights at 2-8, and eight, 11 o'clock a.m. game. This is on FS1. Blows my mind. I don't know what's up with that. Sparty by 20.5, over under 43. Okay, Sparty yards per play differential, negative 0.1. Rucker's negative 2.0. That is, they have, that's like ludicrous 
bad right there. Yep. Negative 2.0. It's actually the ludicrous speed when they slam the brakes. That's right. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Time to take a five-minute break. <laughs> <laughs> Michigan State. Smoke them if you got them. Smoke em. if you got them. Michigan State 7-3 to leads the overall, believe it or not, 7-3. to So they're 5-0 and since Rutgers joined the Big Ten. But Rutgers led 3-2 to prior to joining the Big Ten, including a home-and-home home in 2003 and four that they split between the great John L. Smith and Greg Schiano. Um, I say great with extreme yeah. sarcasm. Um, Pucker factor. I've got Michigan State at a three point five because they're playing for a bowl, and, and I've I, got and a, I got Rutgers down at a one. Um, go ahead. I mean, so are we factoring in who they're playing? Like, you got to factor in that it's just Rutgers. So, what I'm factoring in is if somebody turns into this game and it's the third quarter and it's seventeen to thirteen, Michigan State. You're puckering as a as a Michigan State fan at that point. If they were playing Maryland, I'd give them a pucker factor of five, or maybe not Maryland. Who? Somebody hmm. that's Someone, a little bit better than yeah, yeah. Maybe not Maryland, like Purdue. Okay, okay. if they're playing Purdue, yes. I'd be at a full pucker, full five pucker. Really? Well, okay. yeah. I mean, you think about D'Antonio, kind of hot seedy. Um, all the stuff going on off the field. So you, you need of, a win to get to a yeah. bowl game. You've been playing like garbage. Yep. The fans. I mean, to me, okay. if this is a like a losable game, that it doesn't get more puckery than that. So I mean, I think I'm pr- everything you pretty much said. I, this game has it, but you. But I'm dialing it back because of Rutgers. Because Rutgers is that awful. I'll dial it back to like a three point five. That's what I got right here. Okay. So speaking of Mark D'Antonio, he was uh, he was angry. Clinch fisty in his uh, recent press he, conference. It's basically the kind of press conference you have before you get fired. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so his quote is, it's not over. It'll never be over. It's just getting started. Okay, first of all, no, it's, it's never over. <laughs> Trust me. It, someday Sometime it's going to be over. So got to give a shout out to a new listener and follower, Sean Dwyer at Dwyer's 3. Uh, so he's got a little something called the the John L. Misery Index. Okay. okay. <laughs> I think this is good. I like this. We just and mentioned. The, we, so he's talking about John L. Smith. John L. Smith. We just mentioned him. Correct. Okay. So first of all, he refers to him as face-slapping John L. Which oh, I, yeah, because he, he, there was that incident on the sideline, right? Or, he, or no, it was, a, it was a post-game presser. He was smacking himself in the face. So, by the way, face slapping John L. Let's put that on a T-shirt and market that because that would sell. So he is definitely on the the Mount Rushmore of Big Ten boob head coaches. Uh, w- whenever we get that pulled together, he's definitely going to be in the debate for the for the boob uh, Mount Rushmore. So, um, and I want to make sure you know I'm 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 being clear here. Sean Dwyer very much has loved the Mark D'Antonio period of well, how football. could you not he knows that he is the greatest college football coach in the history of the school I think that's pretty much uh, uh, agreed upon with Michigan State fans but they also are realistic to see how things have been looking you could really say the last four years that they kind of had the hey the e- flat- even canned food expires at some point <laughs> right it's <laughs> good it's a good point so basically this is the the John L Smith uh, misery index which is he said you know once uh uh, D'Antonio got things rolling, you know, so early in his tenure. Sure. The Michigan State fans would look back and be like, do you remember how bad it was oh, under yeah. John L? Like, how many stupid things we... Boy, so I can like, imagine. You know, when things got rolling under D'Antonio, the the the, the John L uh, misery index was was very low. But, sure. then, but then you got to the, 
you know, things started not looking right. And then it was, ooh, yikes. That's a little John L there. John Ellie, yeah. Yeah. Now I we, have got, they... we have got a full-blown – we are starting oh, to yeah. get into John L, decisions by the coaching – how he looks in a press conference. Yeah. I think there's something to this. I think it's actually pretty funny. I I really enjoy the fact that their entire misery index is based on Jano Smith. I think that's fantastic. You can't pick up you can't pick a better face <laughs> no. of that misery index. So, hmm, now I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of who my misery index is based on. Again, there's so many put choices. It down, put it <laughs> for an off season pod. So in the end, um I do feel that there is still going to be some fight here. Now, with that being said, the recent history of this series, Rutgers has played Michigan State pretty tough. Um, yeah. they, they were lucky to win last year. And I feel like, yeah, they were very lucky Miser- to win. Just a miserable weather game last year. I remember you looked up and you're like, oh, no, Michigan State, don't <laughs> lose this game. And they pulled it out. And they've, they've pulled it out ever since they've been in the Big Ten. Well, but. and Rutgers this year probably feels as good as they have at any point. Don't you think? Well, they they, gotta, they scored twenty one points in Ohio State. Yeah, I guess they got. I win mean, two weeks before they've got at least <laughs> some kind of identity offensively. I'm not saying it's great, but it's Johnny Langan left, Johnny Langan right, throw the ball over the top, and Michigan State's extremely vulnerable right now. I feel like Rutgers can stick around in this game, but still, that Michigan State team that got out to a fast start versus a much better than Rutgers. Illinois team. Yeah. That was just a couple weeks ago. No, it wasn't long ago. It's yeah. weird. Is I saw so, I, that Michigan State team still in there somewhere. They've it's, got it's way gotta more be. talented players on on this team than Rutgers has can and, roll out. And it, it, you know, a lot of it comes down to just Brian Lewerke, Don't give the ball to the other team for, real. for the love of God. Yeah. Just play conservatively. Hang right. on to the freaking ball. Don't throw it down the field. The, to me, that that's the game plan here. Yep. Play so, extremely conservative. So it may take a while for them to really. Blow if they're going to blow out Rutgers. I mean, I guess I'm assuming, but yeah, it may take a while. I think because of all the things you're talking about, the under is the best play in this game. Well, it is Michigan State. By the way, I went over last week and and it hit right. Yeah, nice work. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm going to go over the uh, under the 43. Don't like it either way, but I would actually probably take Michigan State to cover. This definitely looks like a a 31 to 6 type of game to me. I like my Rutgers Knights in this one. I'm okay. feeling it. Yeah. It's it's going to be Adam Corsack day in Piscataway. They're going to rally around their their best player and who they're is, all going to play like on the uh, Ray the, guy. The Ray guy finalists and des- deservedly so. They're going to Are you are you a little stung that your your boy didn't get on the list? I knew or? he wasn't. He never gets any credit. I don't know why. People just ignore Blake Hayes. Yeah, it makes good. no sense yeah. that he's one of the best punters in the country. I mean, I, I will say I think Corsak is better than him. I but I too. think he's the second-best punter in the Big Ten. I, I think better than Chrisman this I year. I honestly think if Corsak wins that award, that's going to be one of my favorite things on the offseason, to be able to win an award on what is obviously a grease spot of a season for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. You know, at the team awards, he's going to win the MVP. How could he not, right? I'm not joking. Like I know you're not. Do do you not give it to your punter for him just because you're like, listen, we cannot give the the, the MVP to our freaking punter. Okay, well, I can tell you when I was in school, the offensive MVP one year of our team was the punter, Brett really? Larson. Yes. Okay. Not the overall team MVP because we had great defenses back there, but okay. he was the offensive MVP. I think I think Corsac, you have to make some sort of business decision that you just – because you're going to list out the team MVP somewhere in the complex. It's going to be – 
you know, quarterback, quarterback. But how can back, you not? He's and, and then you're gonna. <laughs> he's the best punter in the country. I don't know. I think you got to think about that one a little bit. So, all right, moving on. Well, good luck. Who? who okay, who's your MVP? Team MVP of for Rutgers. Rutgers. I, I can't, don't put me on the spot. I don't know. Well, I guess I, maybe Pacheco. Pacheco could be. Yeah. That okay. MVP. Okay. All right, moving on to three afternoon games. This is a good one. Number thirteen, Michigan at eight and two, going in to Bloomington to take on the seven and three Indiana Hoosiers. This is a two thirty p.m. game on ESPN, our only ESPN game this week. Wolverines favored by nine and a hook over under fifty two point five yards per play differential. Michigan sitting at a positive one point seven. Indiana positive uh, zero point nine. Now, Michigan leads this one by a little bit, 58-9. to nine. No ties in this one. We all know about that 1987 game, right, where Indiana won 14-10 in B-Town, the Anthony Thompson game. But how about that 1967 game? Indiana, co-big 10 champs that year with Minnesota and Purdue. Um, it was the last time. So Indiana went to the Rose Bowl that year. It was the last time a non-Michigan or Ohio State team went to the Rose Bowl until Iowa. 1981, very good. So John Pont, we've mentioned him before on the cast, head coach. Um, they were they were nine and one that year. Their only loss was at Minnesota in Minneapolis. They finished by beating Purdue in Bloomington at 17th Street Stadium, which is now defunct. What did they do that year with the Michigan Wolverines? They didn't blow them out, but they won 27 to 20 in the Big House that wow, year. Okay. Yeah, those were the days. Those were the days. Ever since then, Michigan has a little owned. bit on the side <laughs> of Michigan since then. In fact, that was so 87 is the only time they've won since that game. OK, yeah. so uh, the line here at nine and a half and uh, 52.5, they're saying basically saying Vegas saying 31 to 21 Wolverines. So they're expecting some points on the board. Um, I could have went higher. I'm I'm going to 3.5 pucker factor for Michigan here. Okay, I I'm right with you. I actually want a four. Okay, and I could go four here. Here's why: Shea Patterson. We saw what he said, right? Yep. We got only one big length game left to go. Well, actually, you got two. You got two big ten big games left to go. I don't know how you you say something. You how do you let that can't. slip? I, and I obviously he wasn't trying to throw shade. At the Hoosiers. Oh, but did he ever? But he did. And, Absolutely. And, and if we've gotten any proof from Tom Allen from an innocuous comment that Scott Frost made like sure. six months ago, he, he, he's gonna, he can find out the bullet report oh, material. Yeah. He, and he put tucked it on that there. one away and saved it. Um, as far as the uh, pucker factor for Indiana, I'm actually going to put them at a 2.5. I got them at a 2. Really? Because yeah. you're playing know, with house money. They are playing with a little bit of house money, but they also know that, or they might know that. The chances of them beating teams like this, Penn State last week, Michigan, it's somewhat fleeting. You don't see it often. This is probably as good a chance as you're going to get to beat Michigan. You got them at home. You've got yeah. them before the game. That does ramp up the puckerness. Your offense is playing as well as anybody. Like, at this point in the year, we can stop saying, is Indiana good or not? This we is know good. a good football yeah. team. The, the defense is okay offensively these guys very are good. good so and, and that's where the pucker factor comes in you you need to win some games here and you know as good as this team is this type of game i mean yeah we've we've said it before it's time to beat a helmet school like it's it's time to end that streak of not beating michigan michigan state ohio state penn state you got to do it 
you got to strike while the iron's hot. And this and, and the situational, hot. you know, thing that we're in right now is about as good a chance as you can get. So um, it's super trappy. Yeah, you, you already got Shea Patterson talking. So this is your opportunity, Indiana. Yeah, take and, it, baby. And uh, this this stat was brought to me and Kurt's attention from Scott at SRT2. I can't say your Twitter name, dude. But anyways, this is from actually the Chris Bear Felica. Michigan has failed to cover each of the last three years, the week prior to Ohio State. Ohio State has failed to cover each of the last six years, the game before wow. Michigan. Uh, all six came as at least a two-touchdown favorite. That's that's from so Ohio State later on. They're both overlooking their opponents before that game. And nine and a half is a lot of points. That's a lot of points. So now the one thing I would say is for, for last month, Michigan has looked like Michigan. They're playing and their best ball. They There's nothing that I can really point out about this team as a weakness right okay. now. I, their defense, still probably better than their offense. But yeah. They're, they're running the ball, and Shea Patterson has definitely found a groove in this <laughs> Josh Gaddis offense. Right. Don't you think their offense is finally, whatever scheme they're trying to employ, it's finally working. Like, it finally looks like a competent you know, offense that can move the ball and, and, and cause damage. Yes, once they remembered the plays that they had run under Jim Harbaugh, the <laughs> offensive coordinator the previous You think two that's years, what it was? Had some more practice hmm. time. Yeah, that's okay. what I think it is. But also, their offensive line is playing their best. Uh, Shea Patterson, he's playing his best ball. They they got Hassan Haskins has settled in as their, their bell cow back. Do you think right now, today, that Michigan's the second best team in the Big Ten? Yes. I do, too. Yeah, this is not going to be easy for Indiana. No, um, this is a tough game to pick, uh, but I feel like some trends make sense. This one is a trend. Um, I did not like Shea Patterson's comments. No, you you can't have the leader of your team do that. So I'm going to go ahead and take the the Hoosiers plus a nine and a hook. Me as well. Um, Love it. The over under is tricky for me, but because this is what I'm wondering, is this going to be a game where Michigan's defense just clamps down, but the Hoosiers defense, or is it just, we know what we got here, which is Indiana kind of moves the ball on everybody. Yes. And that's what I think. I'm I think do. so, so too. I'm I, take the over. I like the over too. Okay. I think it's going to be kind of a high scoring game. I think Michigan's going to move the ball. They're going to score and Indiana's not going to roll over. They're going to just be trying to keep up here. I think. Yeah. So last week versus Penn state, I predicted 34 to 24 as the final. That. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You might almost use that again. Oh, yeah. Although that would be covering for Michigan uh, by True. half a point. So, But something along those lines. Like, I'll, I'll put it out on Twitter on Saturday. But it's it, that's what it looks like to me. So, Indiana, got to get that running game going better. Stevie yes. Scott, got to gotta keep working on that. Peyton Ramsey, do you know he's one yeah, of the most – Yeah, but I, I would say this is a it, – it would compare to me, like, how Minnesota used the running game versus Penn State. Yes. It's not your bell cow in no, this no, no. game. You're going to win the game throwing the ball. Correct. Because Peyton Ramsey, did you know he's one of the most efficient, like one of the highest-ranked pro football focus grades in the in the country, like top 20, 25? Yeah. He's a damn good quarterback. Yeah. Love me some PR. He is one of my favorite, one of the best stories yeah. in the Big Ten this year. Next up, Nebraska 4-6. and six. The Cornhuskers going into the shell to take on the 3-7 and seven Maryland Terrapins. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on Big Ten Network. Line Huskers by four over under a robust 62. The Terrapins have been hiding in that shell, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. They've been kind of tucked into that thing. Yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> yards per play differential, Nebraska positive 0.2, Maryland negative 1.4. The only meeting between these two teams was in 2016. 28 to 7, Nebraska won in Lincoln. That was my, the great Mike Riley, you know, one of the favorite, favorite son of, of Nebraska fans, <laughs> beating DJ Durkin in his first season. Um, so we got we got some pucker factor going on here. Oh boy! Mostly for the Huskers. I've got them at a four. Yeah, they I was... need this game to be bowl eligible. I'm so and I and I got Indiana. I got Indiana at a one point five. Or excuse me, Maryland. I've got Maryland at a one point five. I got a little bit of pucker in them. Why? Because they need to show some signs Something. of life. Yeah. Before the, otherwise, it's going to be a unple- It's already going to be, but it's going to be a very unpleasant off season. Yeah, I've got them at a two. They don't just because the season's over. Uh, but yeah, you got to show something. Nebraska. I'm. I was kind of wavering. I'm going to go with with a a, a, a four and a half here. Ooh, you're going I'm going than me. I'm going four and a half. Uh, but I mean, weighing, I would go weighing into this is just how much Scott Frost has struggled away from Lincoln. I mean, he's boy, got that's one, true. They're one and eight, I believe. And could you imagine if they lose this just game. if they lose the game, or even if they just look bad and they have to win it in the end or something like that? Oof. Well, and that's what Vegas is saying with this line. They're saying I know. thirty-three to twenty-eight Huskers, something like that. Thirty-two to twenty-eight. So this started at seven, and it has gone right. down, which is amazing. Towards Maryland, yeah. does that? Like this is a the 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 Huskers football program has got a lot of pride. Like you got a you got one of the best alma maters of all time coaching the team. Mm-hmm. Maryland has no pride. They they there will not there probably be more Nebraska people in the stands than Maryland yes, people there will be. at this game. Anybody within four hours of driving distance that's a Husker fan is going to go to this game. No question. So the I, Terps fans are all, all going to be at the basketball arena. Like don't get me wrong. Nebraska has had its woes, but this was the same team that I just saw light up what I think is a good Wisconsin defense just last right. week. I know. When has Maryland looked good at anything in the past six weeks? Uh, not in the last six weeks. No, you have to go back to week one or two. Um, the The only reason I might dial it back for Nebraska is it's basically a wasted season for them. Do they want to get to a bowl game? Of course yes, they, they want to get to a bowl game. Of course they do. But at the same time, it's like, well, this isn't what we expected. Let's pack it up. We'll try again next year. So, you know, I'm going to back it down from a four and a half to a three and a half. I think. Okay. So you went, now you're under me by a half. I'm going to go um, under you. I would say, though, factoring into that, which factors into the pucker, puckerness, is four and eight two years ago. Four and eight last year. Oh, yeah. You cannot go four and eight three years in a row. And right, that, then you does, got... that will hurt recruiting. I mean, yeah, that's well. something that can be used against them by other and they've, teams. And they've got a lot of spots to fill still in their recruiting class, too. Now, I'm not saying if they lose this game, they're definitely losing next week. I'm not trying to right. throw that out into the college football universe. I'm just saying the the chances of them going 4-8 uh, and eight are definitely there if they can't, obviously, win this game. Um, something kind of just interesting that was pointed out on Twitter this week. A uh, lot of kicking woes for Nebraska yes. this year. So they've only made seven field goals all season. Wow. You know how many Maryland's made? No. One. No. They are one for four on field goals this year. How did we not know that up until now? How did we not fade? Wow. They are. (laughs) What is the low in modern Big Ten? Like, 
World War II field goals. Lord. It's the craziest thing in the world. What is going on there? What's going on is they, they would either score big touchdown or runs. Or not move the ball at all. Correct. And that's but, you, why but that, there I mean, has to have I mean, been. I don't, I don't know what's crazier. Only making one or only having four attempts. We're in the middle of November. They played 10 football games. Boy, which one is? I mean, I guess only w- making one is worse, but on, on, only attempting four seems impossible. <laughs> Doesn't it? It's insane, man. Um, anyways, I just found that incredible. All right. So kind of back to the task at hand here. I just don't see it for Maryland, man. Neither do I. I, I, I mean, this, um, like, I understand. I get, like, when the line opened up, I thought it would be higher, right? When the line opened up and I saw that it was that low at seven, I'm like, okay, they, you know, don't have a lot of faith with Nebraska going on the road. I get it. But when I already liked it at seven, when that thing has dropped to four, Give me Nebraska covering that. I know they're not a, a team that necessarily invokes a lot of confidence with that stuff, but I will take the over. And then I will say that the Maryland defense will come alive or the Maryland offense will come alive a little bit, but not enough to get over the 62. I actually like the under 62. This yeah. Week. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. So um, we talk about the Hoosier line in reference to Maryland. I'm not sure that really applies anymore because Maryland's just so bad. I, I mean, you know, Nebraska's below the Hoosier line, so you'd think Maryland should be able to move the ball and, and score. I'm not sure, though. I just don't know. I think Nebraska's going to score, based on what I saw against Wisconsin. I think they've pr- finally found some life on offense. I really like Nebraska, minus five. Okay. I'm just struggling on that total. Yeah, it's a tough total. I think I'm going to go over. Okay. I, I think I'm going to trust yeah, go locks over. to find some holes in that Nebraska defense. They are they are there to be found. I think they he's are to be find found. Some. Yeah, I just I think they are so one dimensional right now. I think with Nebraska's more attacking defense, if they don't have that threat to get over top of them, so I could see some big runs getting popped off here and mm-hmm. there for Maryland, leading to some points, uh, not field goal points, touchdown. Definitely points. not field goals. <laughs> so that's where I can see some points. I just I think Nebraska will you we will walk away from this game. Knowing that Nebraska was definitely the better team and Nebraska's defense will play into that a little bit. Yeah, definitely they're not going to have uh, – it's not going to be like – they're not going to score 30 points, you know? Maryland. Maryland. No. It'd be it'd be 21. 28 or 21 <laughs> right. or 35. Right, because actually their PAT kicker, very good. He, he's barely missed any PAT. I think he's like 34 Is it Petrino is his name? Yeah, that's his name. Yeah, he follows me on Twitter, actually. Really? Okay. I think him and his mom both follow me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> I, yeah. Hey, why no? Fo- why don't follow Petrino and his mom? Come on, give me. I, I'm not. They're not following me. All right, let's go. Moving on. Another interesting one to me: Purdue Boilermakers at four and six, going into the land of cheese, tick on the Wisconsin Badgers at eight and two. This is a two thirty p.m. game. This is on Fox. Line Badgers by twenty four point five over under forty eight. Okay, yards per play differential for Purdue negative zero point six for Wisconsin positive one point nine. Wisconsin leads the overall. Wow, 49 to 29 with eight ties. Purdue's last win in this series was 2003. Shut the front door. Yeah. Purdue did not win in this series from 1895 to 1928. Oh. And they played not a, every year, but they played a lot. There were two t- two ties in that time. Now, do you remember the 1998 Purdue at Wisconsin game? Drew Brees was a sophomore. 
So, so his that, first year so starting. So we would have had Drew Brees and Ron Dane on the field in this game. Yes. Yeah. Actually. No, no, no. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes, yeah. Right yep. Definitely. Yep. I think Dane's last year was 99. Yep. So this is the quote, the Drew Brees game. Now, Wisconsin won the game 31 to 24. But <laughs> Drew Brees' stat line, 55 completions out of 83 attempts. What? OK, so I don't know if there's still records, but the, the 55 completions tied a record at the time. And the 83 set the NCAA record for attempts in a game. He threw for 494 yards, two touchdowns, but four big interceptions the purdue wide receivers in this game listen to this randall lane 18 receptions for 178 yards chris daniels 14 receptions 131 yards insane unbelievable if i went out in my backyard right now and i threw a football 84 times i wouldn't be able to use my arm that for two was weeks. my exact thought is you think about a pitcher throwing a baseball a hundred times, and it's like, okay, get him out of there. He's yeah, done. Did they do the old? They had to ice his arm after the oh, game. Oh god, right? you'd Something have like to. Eighty-three times throwing a football, and you got to think at least thirty-five of them. He was chucking them down the field. I'm sure, quite a bit. yeah, that's crazy. Boy, wow. he must have been spent. Good pull, that, that buddy. Yeah, thanks. All right, so uh, so twenty-four and a half, forty-eight points over under. Basically, they're saying Badger's going to win this, thirty-seven to thirteen. I've got I've got the Badgers at a. At a three pucker factor, here. I put them at four. Yeah, I can see it. Being I that put them at four. I just I think Purdue is kind of dangerous in a in a little way. Yep, and I got Purdue at a two just because they don't want to lose this game either. They need they're, they're still alive for a bowl. They're still alive for a bowl. There's so there's a little pucker. You can't go one, but no. yeah, two is fair. Two is fair. So now the one thing I would say is I've kind of just been I've just been. Uh, uh, trying to uh, get some information from my Badger friends, like like what is going on? Like I feel like something's off with the defense, and I thought oh, yeah. for sure that injuries were going to be the answer. I got back. Not one of them has really said injuries. They what are they, they saying? They, they are they're all saying scheme and effort. When has scheme and effort been an issue to a Wisconsin Badger defense? No, I, I think people are just kind of figuring out what what they're doing a little. You bit. think so with yeah. the three four? I think it's got to be a little bit more with just the actual talented or not quite as talented in the past bodies that are in there. Yeah, I running. think they're just finding the, the the soft spots of the defense and they're exploiting them. I mean, look look at what Nebraska did to them, you know, running the ball last last week. Now Purdue's not going to be able to do that. No, but, but and, and I would say two weeks before that, when Iowa played Wisconsin, there was there was running lanes there for sure. Iowa. They they moved the ball and then they in the end of the game, how did Iowa get back into it? They started chucking the ball down the field. Right. Another thing that That's you can why point I think at Purdue can so be dangerous. This stat from the Super at Super Crawl Badger uh, uh, follower. So he said the home and road splits for this team are crazy. Average score 30, 38 to eight at home, mm. but they're twenty two and twenty eight on the road. Really? So that is how much of a Jekyll and Hyde this football team is a, a home and away. Now they're hmm. they're home this week. Yeah, they're home. So that causes me to pause a little bit. But what I can't get out of my head is Jeff Brom and Brom Brom Jeff Brom and like the Tom. fact that. Um, this is not a good secondary. Even when Mich no, uh, it's really Wisconsin not. was defense was just mauling people and taking names, you could still touch up their secondary. Wasn't Northwestern touching up their secondary a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Iowa got them. Nebraska got them in the on the ground and through the air a couple of times. There was plays for Adrian Martinez to make last year or last week that he just missed. Brom is going to come out dealing here. Well, I mean, I, I feel like Brom. He'll listen to this podcast. 
yeah. and he'll listen to what I just said about Drew Brees, and he's he's you know what I'm gonna break that damn record this week. <laughs> he, he might give it a shot. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just the, when I saw this this line, I I I guess it was one of those deals where I'm like, okay, kind of like Iowa Minnesota last week, right? What's going on here? It, is this a stinky fish line? Hmm. And this thing being twice. What? Well, what was your immediate reaction? My immediate reaction was just a little. The line's a little too big. Yeah. I, I like Purdue here. Okay, so I really like Purdue in the twenty-four and a half. Um, if I like Purdue in the twenty-four and a half, which I do, then that means I gotta like the over right. in this game yes. because that means they're gonna put points up. Yeah, on forty-eight. The board. Yeah, I mean, I maybe there's a chance that Purdue loads up the box and Cone just can't play. No, there's not. But they, but the last two weeks, the teams have tried to do that. Iowa and Nebraska. I'd, certainly, Iowa's got a better defense than Purdue. So I just I don't see Purdue slowing the 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 path or the the offense for Wisconsin down. I don't. No, and and I think I think they're gonna. They're going to throw the hell out of the ball and they're going to score points on Wisconsin. I mean, I could see this winding up being like a. 42 to 28 type of game. Yes, for sure. Right? I mean, that's that's well within. I mean, first of all, I think that Jonathan Taylor is just going to churn right through Purdue. Correct. And I think Purdue is just going to be playing from behind, throwing the ball, throwing the ball, throwing the ball. I think I don't – 48 just seems way too low to me. Shockingly low. In fact, you know what? Now that you – Give me one of those. It, can I take one too? Yeah. So we like all kinds of cha-chings in this one. All righty. So that brings us to the – the number eight ranked Penn State Nittany Lions at nine and one going into the horseshoe to take on the number two, the Ohio State Buckeyes at 10 and oh, going back in the time machine. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on Fox line Buckeyes by 18 over under 57 mm, mercy yards per play differential Penn State. Sitting at a nice positive 1.3. Ohio State, wow. They're actually getting better in this category. <laughs> Isn't that? Fair. That's not fair. They're at a positive 3.8. Like they could realistically get to four. Y- yeah. Jesus. I, well, I mean, I guess considering they're next to opponents, you have to think they're not going to, but they're at, that number is right. growing. Right. It keeps growing. It's crazy. Okay, Ohio State leads the overall 19 to 14, no ties. Their first meeting ever. It was 1912 in Seabus. Penn State took it to the Bucks, 37 to nothing. Now, since Penn State joined the Big Ten, they've had 26 meetings. What would you say the their the record is? There's no ties in 26 so, meetings since Penn State joined the Big Ten. Their first meeting was 1994. Um, it's Th- not good three, for Penn three, State. I know, I know was, that. I'm going to say 20 to six. It's 18 to eight. That's okay. pretty good guess. Okay. The 1994 game. Penn State was the juggernaut that year. They they paid them back for that 1912 game, 63 to 14 in State College. Joe Pod beat John Cooper. Okay, hmm. um, pucker factor. This is this is an interesting one to me. I yeah. I'm actually so I feel like Ohio State should have a high pucker factor, right? But, but the the makeup of the sphincter is that they're so confident that that's they're gonna exactly my feeling. Really, but that's... you have to. There has to be some pucker because Penn State traditionally, even you know, if they don't, they don't necessarily. Win. They play well in this game, don't they? Yes. I mean, they've won a few times when they probably had no business winning. One hundred percent. 
So you you have to pucker a little bit. So I put them right in the middle at three. And where do you got Penn State? Okay, Penn State's kind of weird too, because you know you've still got a lot in front of you. You've still got the college football playoff in front of you. But I feel like they probably kind of know eh, this is not the year yet. Next year is our year. So I don't think they're too geeked up. I feel the same way. So I have have them at a three as well. Weird. I everything you just you just explained out was in my brain. Okay. You just said it out loud. Which and, is, I, and I have I have a three for both teams here. But as it's well. so weird that a game this big that means so much isn't a higher pucker factor. But I it's know. not. It's just not. Um, I'm sorry. I know. And and it, it, trust me, I and it I'm I'm upset that this is an eleven o'clock AM game. I mean, our game is at eleven o'clock. I wish this was yeah. a three o'clock game. So I could watch I know, because I hate having this on the small screen. How can you have this on the small screen? It's, it's a gonna big be screen tough. game. I know. Um so with the Buckeyes favored by 18, over under at 57, Vegas is basically saying this doesn't work great, but ba- basically saying 38 to 20. Yeah, Buckeyes. Um, so I'll throw this question out. My guess is with your ever expansive college football brain, you'll kind of know where I'm getting at okay. here. Are we gonna get an X's and O's game, or are we gonna get a college Jimmy's and game? Joe's game? Basically, is it just is this just gonna be chalk? Right? Is it just going to be another game where Ohio State okay just just shows what they are over a di- another team? Uh-huh. Like that's what we've seen uh-huh. all year long. Okay. Or, or that's the X's and O's. Okay. Or is this going to be? The is game it going to get muddied up? In, where all of a sudden you're like, "Holy crap! This is happening! Penn I can't State, believe this Penn is State's happening!" In it. Penn State's this is in happening. It. Penn State's in it. I err towards the first. I think Ohio State is going to control this game. The question is, I mean, 18 is a big spread. It's a huge spread. Can they beat a good team, good Penn State team, by that much? The whole game for Penn State is getting to Justin Fields. They have got to – they need to get to him in the first series. But they haven't the shown that lately. Where has that gone lately? I don't know. And they I don't think they, – They couldn't get to Peyton Ramsey. No, no. They I mean, cannot. not a little bit, but – I mean, Shaka Tony and, and, and they couldn't get Vitor Grossmatos. Like these guys are still talented players, but they have just gone missing. Now, I think the the general thought process and my boy Paul Perkins uh, uh, has been throwing it out there. Um, like maybe they need a game to energize the defense, and this is what gets it out of them. Yeah, maybe they right. They, but what's up with that? Like you need a you need a spark. Like they've. They've they should have gotten a spark at some point in the they last couple have, weeks. They should have sparked at some point against Minnesota, which they couldn't get to Tanner Morgan either. Correct. And this is a, a better offensive line than either Indiana or Minnesota has. And Tanner Morgan and Peyton Ramsey, very similar quarterbacks, yeah, true. I would say. They don't got the arm of Justin Fields. They don't got the mobility of nope. Justin Fields. And no disrespect to the Minnesota you know, passing attack or targets and running backs, but They've never seen anything like J.K. Dobbins or these wide receivers either. No, they haven't. But at the same time, this is going to be the most talent that Ohio State has seen. That is the truth. Yeah. That's a statement. And it's probably by a a decent stretch the most talent they have seen up to this point. The the one game that I guess I would point to if I was a Penn State fan that would give me a little bit of hope in this would be the Michigan State game. Michigan State, back when they used to have a soul and some pride, This year in 2019, they went at Ohio State in that game. And we thought a little bit for the first 
quarter yeah. and a half First qu- yeah. that Michigan State was going to turn this into a thing. But you got to be so razor razor sharp against Ohio State. Those you know that that key drop on third down. You can't have that. Can't ever have that. In, in, in fact, I think for Penn State, not only can you not have that, you're going to have to have some big plays early in this game. Don't because, you think to get to establish some momentum? Yep. And I'm a little bit I, I from what I've heard KJ Hamler is going to play, but we can't have 80% KJ Hamler. He has got yeah. to be full go full go. Um little bit of of you know off season or off field excuse me distractions that freaking death threat to Sean Clifford yeah. I don't know if you saw yeah. that I don't want to go too deep into that but Pat Fryermuth all of a sudden it's become aware you know he can be eligible for the NFL draft after this it's just kind of like spurned by the Mackey award what that, the hell which, was that which might be seen as a positive for that is complete BS oh my lord it's just it was a little bit of a weird week like a lot of the conversation about Penn State on Twitter has not been about this game it's been other things is that fair to yeah say? so um I don't know I I do keep going back to what you're saying about this is the best team Ohio State has played at least athletically it's the most athletic team they've played it's the best team they played period yeah I guess you're probably yeah that's probably <laughs> um, true but the thing that makes me the most nervous is if Penn State can't move the ball through the air so and and how are they going to put points on the board? No, Sean Clifford has to play out of his mind to win this game, and he's he's. Oh, a, by the way, Chase Young's coming back. Yeah, Chase fresh and, ooh, pissed. and pissed off. Yeah, but he's Sean Clifford has been playing, eh, good. He's he can't just play meh in this game. He's got to play his best game of his life. Yep. Um, there is a thread here. We were talking about this last night. Justin Fields was originally committed to Penn State. Then he flipped, and he was deciding between, I think, Alabama, LSU, and Georgia. He decided he wanted to go SEC, chose Georgia, of course, then transfers to Ohio State. So I posed to you last night, well, who, who wins if, if Justin Fields stays at Penn State? He's on them right on Penn State right now, and you said Penn State wins. But we're doing two things with this, right? Well, hold on. I'm going to get we're there. Ta- we're taking Justin Fields off of Ohio State. Correct. That, to me— is a bigger deal than putting Justin Fields on to Penn State. But don't you think Penn State wins that game? Yes, I do. Okay, but what if Joe Burrow then never transferred from Ohio State and he's on Ohio State right now? Who wins that game? I would swing it back to, to I would Ohio too. State with Joe Burrow. <laughs> I would too. Isn't that crazy with the, the quarterback domino? It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it is quite the top. It's crazy to think. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't bring this up yet. There's, there's, some, there's a brouhaha going on right now in CBUS because g- game day is going to be there. From ESPN, okay. The big noon kickoff for Fox is going to be there. And the BTN tailgate show, they're all going to be in Columbus on Saturday. And you love to see it because Ohio State fans, they're their own breed. I think even Ohio (laughs) State fans will say that. There is a very strong hashtag boycott game day going on right now because of that much dislike for Big Ten fans and certainly uh, uh, Ohio State being the, you know, the bell cow of the conference. It is going to be interesting to see what the scene and crowd looks like behind the game day crew. I, you know, because they have had they have been to and been a part of so many game days. True. As Buckeye fans like there's probably hardly any Buckeye fans left that haven't been a part of a game day before. So for them to not go to skip it, that, that don't mean nothing. And I got to be honest with you. If they pull this off, like if we oh, turn it so on, cool. Oh my God. It gives me chills to think that I could, 
I will tune in to game day to see because I want to see if it's a. Dead oh, I'm going to be tuning in, but here's here's what I'm thinking is going to happen. It's just there. If you don't see a huge crowd there, you know, if there's cameras, any asshole is going to want to be on TV, right? So just walking by, they'll just stop and just stand. There's going to be some kind of crowd, unfortunately. It's not going to be your typical huge game day crowd, but there's going to be someone there. Yeah, I mean, it's I, gonna don't, be- I don't plausibly think they're going to pull this off for, like, hardly anybody. Like, even if they just had 60 people there, that would be shockingly low. Yeah, well, yeah, but basically what they'll do is they just won't pan back if it's not a big crowd. Something like that. Yeah. And then the signs. Oh, the signs. Yeah, what are they going to do about the signs? I don't think hardly any of the signs. It's it's going to be all about sticking it to the college football playoff committee, you yep. know, like LSU. I just think most of the signs are just going to be, Herbie, you're a traitor. Uh, <laughs> ESPN, get off my lawn. That's basically what, don't you think? Yeah. And I hope so. And and I'll probably watch game day more intently, or I'll be more excited to turn it on at least more than I have at any point this year. I watched the Iowa Iowa State game day. I have not watched anything since then. I've like basically, if ESPN happens to be on, but I switched to Fox. I mean, as soon as it hits 10 o'clock. As soon as it hits, I'll do that this week too. But yes, this week. I think I will. Tune I actually in. start with BTN tailgate, and then I go to the big noon when it starts. I uh, take that chance to be a dad for the only time during the day, basically. <laughs> yeah. And I try to do what I can, and then at 10 o'clock I switch to hey, Fox. But, one more thing. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that Justin Fields is getting penalized in the Heisman race for his team being too good? Isn't we that talk, weird? We, we talked about it last week. But it that, it's so opposite of what usually usually you can be a great player or the best player even, but you're not on a good enough team, so you get penalized. He's getting penalized for his team being too good. Correct, because his team, like we talked about last pod, because Ohio State has the number one ranked offense and defense in the country, they're just not in games. It's very strange. Um, the other thing too, another J.K. Dobbins is incredible. You don't hear his name. No, you know stuff. Either. He does not get a lot of love. How how is how is the starting running back and quarterback for the Ohio State Buckeyes, the number two ranked team in the country? It's and that, they don't get that much. Press. And even I though, mean, that gets you back to ESPN right. and why they want to boycott game day. Yeah. Okay. So, and I hope it is successful. That would just be awesome. Oh my god, it'd be incredible. Yeah. Um. Okay. There's a game. The actual. Oh yeah. Game. Right. So I think what I like the most in this okay. game is the under 57. You like the under, huh? I, I just feel like it will become painfully obvious pretty early in the game that Penn State just is not going to have enough offense. They're okay. going to get like shut out, but I just think it's going to be a low point total, something like 13 to 17 points and probably closer to the 13. So with that being said, I got to take the Buckeyes to cover the 18. Really? Okay. I don't want to say it, but we've seen Penn State look meh correct yes oh yeah have we seen ohio state look like anything no, not at all so why would i change my i i know it's penn state it's they've done it in the past but 2019 is not that connected to 2018 17 16 some of the other game great games you're trying to convince me here i yeah i mean you're kind of turning me but i'm not going to get turned okay i'm going penn state plus the 18 points and i'm going with the over baby okay so complete but, opposite. But I don't, by the way, this is my this is my Big Ten championship pick, Penn State Nittany Lions preseason. That's right. So my pick will I'm picking them to be to get assassinated on, right. on Saturday. Yeah. And yeah. by the way, I don't love either one, but I think I like Penn State plus eighteen more than I like the the total. 
So that that wraps us up, right? Yeah, it does. So I am going to squeeze in a workout now. Really, right now? Yep. Try okay. to try to eat something healthy, and then I'm gonna hammer down a couple of those oh, cupcakes right. right there. Yeah. My sweet tooth hits me at nine thirty, ten o'clock sharp. Really? It never used to be like that till I don't know. I got into my thirties. I get a craving for sweets once every like two months, maybe. For real? I don't. I you're not. just out of sweets. No, really. Yeah. Good Give me you. savory over sweet any day. Except like for mold. like once every two months. So salty over salt over sugar. Absolutely. No doubt. I love salt. Ooh. I like a bowl, to be honest with you. Like a pretzel with a whole bunch of salt on it. Ooh boy. Yeah. Now we're talking, baby. Yeah, the whole salt thing as we advance into our years, like, you know, sodium intake in general yeah. is it's a killer. It it is a killer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I do love it. Not that sugar is good, but all right. That's all I got, buddy. You Yeah, me too, man. All right. Great game. Great weekend of games. Oh yeah. Eyes on big listeners. Enjoy it. The season is extremely fleeting. It's Pucker Week, man. It's Pucker Week. It's enjoy, Pucker Week in the enjoy, Big Ten. Enjoy Pucker Week. And it's Cupcake Week down south. All right. I am Jeffrey the Green. And I'm Big Kurt. This is the Eyes on Big Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.